Today's episode of The Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash lutherancartographer. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 13. Welcome to The Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different areas. Today we are joined by Pastor Jim Daub, who's the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church of Havelock in North Carolina. Pastor Daub, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Give us a little bit of your background and how you ended up where you are. Well, I am a born and raised Lutheran Church Missouri Synod member um, from conception through baptism through ordination. So I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, product of the Lutheran school, I don't think I've spent uh, in terms from kindergarten through seminary kind of one day outside of the Lutheran school. So that is uh, Lutheran schools have a very uh, dear heart uh, to me. Um, Went to Concordia College in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, and then from Ann Arbor uh, went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. I'm a, a 95 grad of Ann Arbor and a 99 grad of St. Louis. And my first parish was down at Ascension Lutheran in Castleberry, Florida. I was there for about two and a half years and then took the call here to St. Paul Lutheran in Havelock, North Carolina. And I've been here. I just celebrated 18 years with them a couple Sundays ago. Wonderful. Congratulations, by the way. So tell us a little bit more about North Carolina and specifically help orient us geographically. Where exactly are we in North Carolina in Havelock? Havelock is uh, pretty much on the, the eastern seaboard. We're about two hours southeast of Raleigh, about two hours northeast of Wilmington. And if you are driving from Charlotte, it's six hours east. If you're flying, it's less than an hour. Um, so we're, we're very much um, close to where the Outer Banks are. Most people, hey, they're like, oh, we know the Outer Banks or we know the Appalachian Trail. Um, the Outer Banks are a, a, a ferry ride over to the southern part of the Outer Banks, or you go up and you take a bridge over. Um, but but we're the the south, kind of the southeastern corner of of the state. Okay, so tell us what are the good things about being in that part of North Carolina? What do you like about the area? There's a lot of really really cool things. Like for instance, um, last week it was 80 degrees and sunny. Um, now they're predicting for us Thursday, we're supposed to have a snowstorm. So, you know, so while it's very nice to, to have beautiful weather during the middle of January and February, um, you know, sometimes you get these little, uh, little blurbs or blips in the weather, uh, with that, but there's a lot of really cool stuff to do around, you know, in Havelock, Eastern North Carolina area. But also the state in general. The, North Carolina is kind of the best of both worlds. Um, from my house, like I said, you're six hours drive time to the mountains. You're 20 minutes drive time to the beach. And so, and you're about two hours, about hour, hour and a half or so to the big city. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. You can do cultural stuff and sports stuff and outdoorsy stuff and, and, artisan type things and just a ton of stuff is is here in in our state so there's a diversity of options and things to do it sounds like very much so very much so we have anywhere from 
college sports to professional sports to um, kind of hippie colonies over in the Asheville area where they they do all kinds of, you know, craft beer, wine, whiskeys, whatever, um, art stuff. Um, around in our area directly, probably the biggest thing in our economy is um, the military. Um, we have a large military base. Uh, Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point is here in Havelock. But we also have a um, Camp Lejeune, which is the one of the largest Marine bases, is over in Jacksonville about an hour away. But there's still a lot of other things that you can do and festivals you can go to once you, you do a little resort, research and things like that. Okay. So we've talked about the good things of the area. What are some of the things that people should be aware of as terms of the not so great things? I think probably one of the, the greatest challenge is if you're trying to find a, a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod church home, we are kind of few and far between here. Um, I, I make the joke that Havelock is the last station on, uh, we're Fort Apache, the last station on the stop. Um, but for me to get to another Missouri Synod church, you have to go either um, one hour to the east or one hour to the north. Um, oh, so wow. There is no other Missouri Synod churches around us. Um, I'm the circuit visitor for Circuit 13 East of the Southeastern District, and, and my circuit covers just over 14,000 square miles. So we have a, a huge circuit, and in that circuit are nine churches. So it's, it's like we have, it, I, I keep reminding myself, it's not like Milwaukee, where you have three Lutheran churches, three Catholic churches, and six bars on every corner. Um, yeah, throw a stone three, and you'll probably hit an LCMS church or something. Exactly, it's not that at all. <laughs> exactly. No, we are very highly Baptist-oriented um, in our area, um, which is sometimes a, a challenge because when trying to, to evangelize and share, you know, some of our Lutheran teaching is we very differ a lot from some of our Baptist friends in there. So that becomes kind of a, a little bit of a, a clutch clutch point. Um, if you don't like the beach, Havelock's probably not the city that you want to be at because otherwise it, we're, we're a city of around 22,000 people and, and there's just not a lot of a lot of stuff that you can have right here in town unless you go out into some of the surrounding communities. I see. So tell us a little bit more. You've already kind of opened the door with the what you're experiencing with your with the Baptists in the area. What is it like being a Lutheran in North Carolina? What's what's that culturally like? We have interestingly, a lot of the Lutherans when they when they landed here um, a lot of Lutherans are in the west side of the state, except most of those are ELCA Lutherans. So there's a huge ELCA um, um, kind of affiliated college, Lenore Rhine. And Lenore mm -hmm. Rhine has a very big presence. There's a lot of ELCA presence over in the mountains. There's probably more Missouri Synod churches over in the center part of the state to the mountains, to the, to the west side of the state. Um, but for us, it, it becomes kind of a challenge where we are a liturgical church here at St. Paul. Um, we follow the free electionary vest every Sunday. We don't have a drum set. We don't have smoke mirrors and rockets and things. And so, so, some so the good kind of, of Lutheran liturgy, yeah, I, right? I, I wouldn't, I would have no problem with that. Correct. You know, so, 
some of the Baptists who come and visit are, they say, oh, you're just too Catholic. You're too boring. You know, uh. it's not exciting stuff um, in there. But, but we've also had um, one of the main reasons that I don't like to change the stuff. One, because I think the, the liturgy is a good thing, but also is a lot of the young Marines who come and visit, um, they say, this reminds us of home. And for their short little time that they're here, if we can give them a bit of their of, of home, then I think we're doing a good thing and, and give them the solid foundation so that they can, you know, remain firm in their faith, especially as they're they're working with the, you know, the Marine Corps or we've had some um, we have a Coast Guard station down the street, um, you know, working with the Coast Guards, things like that. I think as long as. We can provide them a solid foundation and and a home-like experience. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about this. So up here where I am in Washington State, my experience is there isn't much, a lot of church-going people. And that brings with it, as we talked before we started recording, certain challenges. But where you are, it sounds like is there's a lot of Baptist presence. What are and to me that sounds really great to have more Christians around, but what what sort of challenges does it present beyond what we've already talked about about the difficulties of like talking about Lutheranism and perhaps the challenges that come when they visit? What other challenges or or good things are there about having that that more Baptist presence? Sure. I think probably one of the biggest things, because we're kind of the tip of the velvet, uh, the Bible belt here, I think one of the, the great things is people are very open about their faith. They will they will say, you know, let me pray for you. And there's been a few times where in the middle of the store, you know, you're talking to someone and they're upset about something. And they're instead of saying, well, I'll remember that in your prayers, they're just like, well, let me pray for you right now. And so in the middle of the grocery store, you know, someone's having a prayer for someone else. So that that's pretty cool. The amount of people you see, like in the restaurants who, who pray in the restaurants is, is pretty cool. When I first got here um, 18 years ago, um, they, I went to one of the high school um, Christmas concerts. And I would say 90 percent of the music was sacred music. Um, and and only about 10 percent was, the, you know, the here comes Santa Claus reindeer reindeer type stuff. Um, so it, it used to be that Wednesday nights and Sundays were, were holy days for the people here, that you plan no other activities and things like that. Well, now over time, that culture has started to change, and Wednesday night is no longer the church night. It's no longer just the family night. It's now sports night and things like that. In my conversations with other people, um, it's it's wonderful to be able to, to openly talk about faith and, and your beliefs and, and asking for prayers and things. But the thing that I've noticed is that sometimes I have to make sure I choose my words properly because sometimes the Lutheran words like justification, sanctification, are words that are so um, foreign to some of my Baptist or even Methodist and Presbyterian friends. Um, and they're like, what, what are you talking about? You know, so it's being able to, how do you adjust the message without changing the message, but making the message easier to understand? So I think there's some of that. I think probably the greatest struggle that we have with folks here 
is that it's the decision theology that you got to turn your heart over to Jesus, that you got to find Jesus and that um, give your heart to Christ and everything will be great. And the kind of the once saved, always saved kind of mentality, you know? Mm, So, So I think that's probably one of the bigger challenges, but overall it's, it's nice to be in a place where you can openly talk about faith things without people getting bent out of shape. I see. So let's transition and talk about what it's like to raise a family there. What's the atmosphere like for families? So um, my wife and I have been married for about five years. Um, So I got married later in life, never married previous. So we don't have any kids. We've got a golden retriever. So for us, uh, raising a family is pretty easy because we just take her in and out. Um, But, you know, for some of the young families, um, especially because of the Marine Corps, um, there's some connections with families in there. Um, There are things for for some, you know, younger families to do where we in our area kind of have a a gap is in like the, the junior high, senior high years is there's just a whole bunch of stuff that it just doesn't always, um, um, there's just not a lot of extra stuff for them to do if they're not in sports or, or school band or things like that. So um, so consequently, some kids make some some kind of poor mistakes um, and poor choices. Um, but, but in terms of crime and things like that versus the big city, um, do we have crime? Absolutely. But is it on the same level as others? Not really. You know, um, my, my wife runs the 911 center. I used to be the chaplain for the police and fire department. So I got to see a lot of those things. Um, I've transitioned from, from being chaplain in the, the cities on the city level that I'm now one of the auxiliary chaplains with the Coast Guard. Um, so I'm working, you know, a lot more with the, the Coast Guard people than I do with the, the city people any longer. But, but it, it's a nice area. A lot of Marines... Um, who have put in their 20 plus years will will stay here in our area. Um, we have what's called um, um, Naval um, uh, NADEP, which is Naval Air Depot, which is basically like the Sanford and Son for the Navy. A helicopter gets uh, damaged in war or airplane is damaged in war. They bring it over here. They refix it. They send it back. So a lot of folks are able to work at NADEP. And then we have a lot of folks then who retire and who have stayed in the area. So it's it's while it's on one hand a transient community with active duty, there's also a, a good solid foundation of, of folks who have retired and who have stayed. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about North Carolina as part of the the South. I know that in the Southeast there's like North Carolina isn't often considered like really South South, but what's the culture like in terms of uh, how Southern uh, culture it is. We uh, we are south of the Mason-Dixon line, so any true North Carolinian will tell you that they are the South. And, um, okay. and so one day I I, I I was reading something at uh, at down there's uh, Fort Macon, which is about 22 miles from here. It's right along our our beach. It's, it's an old fort that used to be used in the, the Spanish-American War. They used it during um, World War One, World War II, um, through some other things. And I'm, I'm reading this thing about this, um, you know, this war between the states. And, and I never heard that phrase before. 
And and so I call up a friend of mine. And I'm like, help me understand what is this war between the states thing? She goes, well, you dummy. She goes, that's the Civil War. I'm like, oh, well, why did they call it the Civil War? And so when I hung up the phone, this docent comes over and she says, young man, you're not from around here, are you? And I said, no, I was born and raised in Milwaukee. And she goes, well, we don't like to call it the Civil War because the war of Northern aggression was not very civil. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, so in some aspects, there's still the belief that the South is gonna rise again. Um, but there's been a lot of kind of changeover. For, for a while, North, North Carolina has been uh, called the halfback state. And someone's like, what's a halfback? It's all the folks who moved from New York and New Jersey down to Florida. But then New York, but Florida got to be too hot for them. So they moved halfway back home, which was North Carolina. And because the property tax is cheap, the property itself is cheap, and the weather is nice, you, depending on the area, you pretty much can get four seasons or two seasons, whichever you like. So you're halfway back home. But um, some of the, 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 the pure Southerners are just like, oh, those Yankees, if they would just go all the way back, you know. But, but so, so there is some of that sense of, you know, um, southern, not Southern superiority, but southern there is a pride. lot of Southern pride, Southern pride. Exactly. Um, there is some great, um, you know, the folks have, have been really, really good to me. Um, a lot of the folks who have lived here a long time have reached out to me and have kind of taken me under their wing. I'm, I'm now considered one of those damn Yankees, a, a Yankee who's moved down to stay. But I remind them, I'm like, I'm a Midwesterner. We didn't join the war until like two weeks before it was done out of, you know, in Wisconsin. I, I know that's not like the exact date, but, you know, sure. and so they're like, well, OK, well, we can we can let you stay, you know. So but I see. But it is a there's there, it's it's uh, very interesting. It's, it's cross cross cultural in terms of um, mix of white, black, Hispanic, um, um immigrants from other areas. Um, it's also very cross-political. You have some areas that are, are dyed-in-the-wool Democrat, but then also some areas that are dyed-in-the-wool Republican. Um, so it, it's not like you could say North Carolina fits one peg into the big thing. There's so many different places that the pockets of places can fit in. Yeah, I think it's very easy from the outside looking at the the southeast to think of it as a, a monoculture, but it's not like that at all, right? As you were just saying, it's very different, very diverse in different areas, and you'll find all sorts of things there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's you know any in terms of like um, you know um, the economy wise, you you are. Vast and few. You've got pharmaceutical companies. You have a lot of research companies, medical, technical, a lot of um, colleges and universities. Um, you've got just regular manufacturing. Um, NADEP um, here at Cherry Point is the largest employer east of I-95. I-95 is kind of the, the, the north and south throwaway on the east side of our state. And we average around $22 billion a year in economy there. So, you know, you have a whole lot of influences with 
with things like that. Um, you know, not not everyone in the South that, you know, there's always the uh, the opinion that, oh, people in the South are uneducated. They have no teeth. They live in mobile homes. They they speak real slow. Um, well, there are <clears throat> a few who fit the stereotype. Um, there there really are some very um, fantastic people and, and very genteel people um, in in there as well. Certainly, yeah. It's it's really strange and pretty unfortunate that in recent years, or maybe in the last, well, I'm not sure exactly how long this has been going on, but th- that kind of Southern stereotype of like, oh, Southerners are backward and stupid and all these things. And it's really unfortunate that that's that people think that way just because as you were saying there are some great people there are great people there and it it's more than you know just that kind of banjo stereotype exactly if that was ever accurate in the first place (laughs) well there are some parts believe it or not um when when i go to one of the churches that's in my circuit as a circuit visitor there's a few communities that i drive through that Probably the, the the theme song from Deliverance could probably fit very well. Um, okay. You're like, oh my goodness. But then there's other parts in there where some of the homes are some of the most beautiful homes that you will ever see. And, and the property is absolutely gorgeous and well kept. And, you know, so it, it really is such a, a microcosm of, of people. Tobacco in our area kind of on the eastern eastern side of um of north carolina tobacco used to be king but now um interestingly a lot of the tobacco farmers are being bought out by the the government and they're making the the stevia so if you ever see those green packets of like sweetener the stevia stevia takes the same nutrients that tobacco takes so they're now switching their fields over to stevia fields and so they got the benefit of the, the government buyout, but now they're still able to, to grow crops in their land without having to change over all of the nutrients for the land. So, you know, the farmers were pretty smart with, with that one, but we still have a huge, you know, cotton industry over in this area, stevia. Tobacco is still, is still very much grown in our area, um, you know, and soybeans and peanuts and all that kind of stuff. And, so, but it's just interesting how the the farmers were very wise that they saw this coming. They knew that there was going to be something issue, but of how that one plant takes the same nutrients, so they didn't have to worry about any kind of issues with their farms. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsor. If you're listening to this podcast on the go, you know the power of having audio in your ears, and Audible wants to put the great books that you would like to listen to there as well with their free 30-day trial of their service that comes with a free audiobook. So if you're looking for a book to check out, to try it out, I would recommend Martin Luther's Table Talk, Seven Hours of the Wit and Wisdom of Martin Luther. But if you're not interested in Table Talk, they have a wide variety to choose from beyond Table Talk. So check it out at audibletrial.com slash Lutheran Cartographer. Let's get back to the show. So let's transition to one of my favorite parts of the podcast where we talk about things in your area that are highlights, either a restaurant or two, uh, maybe in activities that are really great. If somebody's visiting, what would you recommend they see? 
But here in, in Havelock, the first thing I would encourage anyone to do in Havelock is kind of, and it's actually less than a half a mile down the street from the church. Our church is located right on Highway 70, which Highway 70 is the major thoroughfare um, that brings you down to the beach. Highway 70, um, right off of there is the Havelock Tourist and Event Center. And in there, it shows a whole lot of history of where the military kind of came from and where they are, especially with relation with the Marine Corps. But there's also a whole room that shows like kind of the what it was like during Civil War time. Um, we were a big, big station here. There was a big fort here in Havelock. Um, General Havelock came from, from Britain as part of the things, um, part of the war and, and the fighting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's very interesting of how, how they have that all set up. Um, one of the things that Havelock used to be famous for, but we don't have a museum for it, is that we were one of the, the best producers of moonshine. And actually, oh. Babe, Babe Ruth would come from New York on his way to Florida and come here to Havelock to a hunting camp to do some hunting and fishing, but also to load up on moonshine when he went down to a spring training. Um, so there's a, a book by a, a local author, Eddie Ellis, um, and, and Eddie Ellis has the whole history of our area, which is absolutely fantastic. You know, so that that book is is a good resource. But just north of us, uh, about 15 miles, is the city of New Bern. New Bern, North Carolina, was the first um, first governor's palace was there for the colony of North Carolina. And so President George Washington stayed there. And I think it was a few weeks after he stayed there. Uh, the palace burned down. Well, they rebuilt the palace using the original blueprints. And so now they have all kinds of activities throughout the summer. Some of the homes there um, go back to the early 1700s. And so they have those as part of the historical area. Uh, one of the things that uh, is, is New Bern is famous for is Pepsi-Cola was invented in, in New Bern, North Carolina, in a little, um, um, uh, Bradford was his last name, and it was, he ran the, the little pharmacy across the street from the, the big Episcopal church. And so the, the kind of the rumor is if you, if you rearrange the words of Pepsi-Cola, the letters of Pepsi-Cola, it actually spells out the word Episcopal. And so some people try to make it of, oh, well, he was looking at the Episcopal church and now he made that. Well, they, they can't really prove that for sure, but it's a nice kind of live tale um, in there. I've never heard that before. Yeah, it's, you know, so if you ask people for Coke down here, um, they kind of look at you a little, little cockeyed because this is Pepsi country here. So if you don't like Pepsi, make sure you load up on Coke at the, uh, at the grocery <laughs> store. Because you know? um, most of the restaurants are all Pepsi restaurants um, in there. But Christ Episcopal Church is the oldest Episcopal, Episcopal Church here in, in North Carolina. And actually, in the very front, they have from, um, I believe it's King George, they have communion vessels that King George gave them as when they first began their church. So there's, some, there's a lot of really cool history things. I mentioned earlier that down at Fort Macon, um, which is down in, um, Fort Macon is down in, just off of Atlantic Beach, uh, Fort Macon is, is the, the, the fort. It's free. You can go through there. Um, also down along what we call the um, 
kind of the crystal coast, which is Atlantic Beach, Pineal uh, Shores, Indian Beach, Emerald Islands. It's one of the barrier islands that are like the Outer Banks barrier islands, but it's right here off of our coast. Um, there's a huge aquarium there um, that you can go see. There's a whole bunch of other little museum type things that they have. The, the city of Beaufort, North Carolina, which is about 20 miles away, but it's not exactly on the ocean, it's on the inlet. Um, they have, um, that's where Blackbeard, the pirate, used to come and stay. And they actually found um, his boat, Queen Anne's Revenge, right off the shore of that area. There's a huge cemetery in the Methodist Church that you can go through, and they actually have a walking tour that, that takes you through the different parts and shows you these special graves and, and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of really, really neat stuff to do um, around here. You can go down to Wilmington, which is about two hours, and they have the USS North Carolina, one of the uh, big, large aircraft carrier. Um, there's a whole bunch of military museums and things like that. So it's, it's not just some sleepy place to, to do, or if you just want to hang out at a at a rental place on the beach to watch the waves for a week, hey, you can do that too. Good deal. So as we start closing out the podcast, I want to make sure to give you the opportunity, Pastor Daub, to go ahead and tell our listeners about anything that you would like to promote, uh, whether it's your church website, places people can follow your work online. What would you like to t- tell our listeners about? Well, we have um, we have our church website. It is www. St. Paul Havelock, H-A-V-E-L-O-C-K.com. We're in the process right now of kind of switching over our website. So it's kind of, uh, it's not the, not the most glorious right now, but we're working, working on that. But you can also find us on Facebook, uh, St. Paul Lutheran Church hyphen LCMS. And, um, and that I post up uh, my sermons almost every, every week. I'm, I'm a little bit behind. That's my uh, catch-up day today to get some of the sermons in there. Um, and then we, you know, we invite anyone. If you're coming here for the, you know, looking for a place for the summertime to come down, this is a, a wonderful vacation spot. The first weekend in May, in case anyone is interested, is the uh, Marine Corps Air Station Air Show. Um, it'll be featuring the Blue Angels. The nice thing is it's completely free um, to, for parking, free for admission. Now, of course, you can spend a whole lot of money on food and T-shirts and plastic planes and blow-up planes and all that kind of stuff. But it really is a great opportunity to make a, a weekend out of it. Um, they have a night show on Friday, shows all day on Saturday and Sunday. And then you're welcome to, to join us. Our, our worship service is a traditional Lutheran Church, Missouri Center worship service every Sunday at 9 a.m. And we have adult Bible class and Sunday school for um, for all ages at 1030 a.m. And uh, of course, Lutherans have to eat. So we have some kind of fellowship time in between with usually some pretty good snacks um, and, and treats during that time. So if you're ever in the area, you're more than welcome to come check us out. Wonderful. Thank you again for your time today. Before we say goodbye, what are your closing thoughts for our listeners? My encouragement is that when you travel, continue to find a, find a church home. You know, sometimes it's nice to, to be in a different spot, to, to hear a different preacher, 
Um, you know, sometimes you hear preachers, you're like, wow, really? And that really makes you appreciate your pastor. And then you can go home and give your pastor a huge hug and say, hey, we really appreciate you. And, you know, but also it, it, it allows you to worship with the saints in different locations and be able to, to gather together, to hear God's word, to receive his gifts and to be able to uh, to have um, have the fellowship with brothers and sisters in the faith. I know the Missouri Center webpage um, has the, the church locator. They also have it on through the mobile. You know, you can get it on your mobile phone. Um, but also sometimes double check, though, to call the church and make sure to see what their times are. Um, I know for a while there, uh, there was a little disconnect for us of, of having to get things caught up on the Missouri Senate page versus ours. But, you know, check out a church, look it up, look them up on Facebook, look them up on, on, uh, on the website and, you know, give a call. And, and my encouragement, go to church, be in God's house, but also enjoy a new, a new locale that you perhaps have never been to before. All righty. That's good advice. Thank you again for your time today. God's peace. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, including links to all the cool stuff that we heard about from Pastor Daub, go to the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 13. I also encourage you to check out that Audible offer at audibletrial.com slash lutherancartographer. And last, please subscribe to the show on Stitcher or on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a review as well. That helps the show be seen and heard by more people. So until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.